With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> to the True Blue LA podcast, podcast about your second place, question mark, Dodgers, um, just looking up at the Rockies. Uh, with me is Eric Steven. How you doing, Eric? Hello. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, by the time this probably comes out, that, that position might change two spots. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they could be like, you know, down to third again and then back in first. Like, it's been pretty crazy the last... Uh, you know, a week or so. We normally record on a Tuesday, and we are recording on a Tuesday. You wanted to record on a Monday. I think it's because you knew the Dodgers were going to lose yesterday, and you wanted to have this big, happy first-place podcast. Yeah, that, or I was trying to uh, completely distract myself uh, from the game. No, it was, yeah, it just logistically worked out better to do. We're doing a morning record, which we used to do, but our normal record is at night now. But, uh, yeah, so uh yeah we're doing doing a morning record um so actually it's weird because some a lot of times we while we're recording the game is going on or maybe it just ended or something so but there's not none of that now so we're uh we're a little bit uh we're not distracted i guess is the yeah we don't have to disseminate anything so we can talk a little bit about the game last night, but it's it sort of fudges the storyline of this really amazing four game series against the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and so well, yeah. So look, as it stands now, you mentioned the 
we're recording this. The Dodgers are in second place. The Rockies are in first place. Um, and the Diamondbacks are in third place. But the Diamondbacks are in third place. They're all uh, So that's like the farthest they've been out in a little bit. Um, and in the last, what, uh, I think five days, um, the Dodgers and Diamondbacks have all at some point been in first, second, and third. Um, and then the Rockies, they they were not – wait, I'm trying to think. But one of the uh, – maybe it was – no, it was the Dodgers and Rockies who've been first, second, and third. And it was Diamondbacks haven't been in second. They were either first tied for first or third. <laughs> so, like, every all three of those teams. And then they, also they play um, – like 16 games down the stretch together. <laughs> like some two of those three teams are playing one another fairly often, like uh, in the last four weeks. So it's going to be pretty nuts. But yeah, so, but it started with this Diamondback series. The, um, the, uh, the Diamondbacks came into Los Angeles. They were up a game. And the fact that they were only up a game was sort of remarkable. We talked about that last week where the Dodgers, um, they sort of hit a, a newer, like a a later low point this time, like because they were really low in May. But when they got swept by the Cardinals, they were down four and a half games, and it's like, oh man, that that doesn't seem good at all. Um, but then they played uh, two last place teams in the Padres and the Rangers. And the games. Oh no! Uh, oh yeah, they did all five games. Um, so that sort of gave them momentum going into the Arizona series. And then they promptly lost the first game. So, <laughs> so uh, Friday they're down two games in the division, you know, but still after four and a half down doable. Um, but they're playing, uh, uh, facing Zach Grinky Friday. They're down in the seventh. Thing, and then um, uh, they hit a game tying home run in the seventh. Uh, Kiki Hernandez hit it. And then uh, Bob, or uh, Bob Melvin, no, uh, Tori Lavolo uh, decides to stay with Hat in the top of the inning um, and then kept him in the game. And with Turner and Machado coming up, facing them for a fourth time, and it seems very odd. Uh, Lavolo talked about it. He was more concentrating on, like, the, the defensive aspect of what, how he was going to get those guys out and rather than he could have pinch hit for him and possibly helped a rally that increased Arizona's lead. Um, and the fact that hardly anyone faces anyone a fourth time, even though it, it is that Grinky, it's one of those like um, weird um, like dichotomies because no one, you don't really want a pitcher facing another hitter for a fourth time. But then again, if a pitcher is that deep into the game, it's probably because they're pitching really well. So it's a really tough balancing act you have to do. Anyway, he kept him in the game and sure enough, uh, Justin Turner hit a home run, and that gave the Dodgers the lead. And, and that sort of started this weird um, weekend of comebacks. Like we, we talked about, like just last week, even like the <laughs> how the Dodgers were like the very least bad at clutch. <laughs> yeah. And, and like they had that stretch where, you know, uh, when the bullpen, they had seven different guys give up uh, a lead or a, or, or a tie or, or a go ahead run in a tie like in seven days, like, first of all, that can't happen unless the offense is like letting you down to the point where you're always relying on the bullpen. Like you can't play that many close games in a row without giving up. So, but it's, it's always a combo. But um, so this time the, the offense was struggling again, but it just turned it, 
like they they got like all of it back like in one fell swoop almost it seemed so the next night there it was two nothing down uh, in the eighth inning um Turner and Machado again got on base include like 10 pitch walk from Machado that was you know the underrated sort of uh plate appearance of the weekend and then Matt Camp I think like literally his at bat before after he struck out I tweeted something about how badly he was hitting since the All-Star break, and it was, like, really bad, like like five-something OPS or something, uh, and just, just terrible. He's been really bad <laughs> since the All-Star break. Sure enough, uh, he he's down 0-2, and Archie Bradley hung a curveball, and <laughs> Kemp, like, hit it over the center field wall for a three-run homer, and they won that game 3-2. Um, and that was, like, one of those moments at Dodger Stadium where you – the like crescendo of fans, like because he once he hit it hard, you're like, oh, this is gonna be cool. But then um, once they realized, oh my god, that's going out, then it was like <laughs> it started to shake a little bit, or, and like there was like a goosebump like level of crowd engagement in that, and it was really cool. And the fact that Camp was struck um, made it better. I mean, just from a turnaround standpoint or whatever. And then and then the next day. Uh, they're down. They're down two to one again, and they're only down in the ninth because Daniel Descalso, Dodger killer, hit a home run in the ninth inning. Um, so it's two to one Arizona in the ninth. Dodgers get two guys on again, um, and Arizona had their closer in Brad Boxberger, but he was struggling. So they brought in Archie Bradley to face who Matt Kemp for the second straight day, and this time instead of hanging a curveball. Uh, Kemp was sitting fastball on the first pitch, and he drove it like off the top of the wall. Um, that uh, for a, another walk, uh, this time was a walk off, but it was three straight, three to two wins for the Dodgers. Very odd. Um, the Charlie Steiner call, I had a chance to listen to it. It's really bad. Um, it's just he's he's like, and Kemp has a chance to tie it with a sacrifice fly, and he's like explaining this as Kemp hits the ball. And then he's like, and he does. And and then, oh, it's off the wall. <laughs> like, it's just so bad. But anyway, um, three straight Matt Kemp with the last two. So that was a crazy, crazy wild weekend. Um, but yeah, it was, it was nuts. Yeah, I was in Richmond over the weekend. So I saw all of one play. <laughs> I turned the, uh, the, my MLB TV app on, I think, Sunday night. So I all heard was, and Matt Kemp's done it again. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's uh, pretty good if I'm going to see something. Uh, the weird play about that, I think, so I was Saturday. I didn't go Sunday, but I was watching Sunday on TV. And um, that one, Kemp hit that one. I thought that was out. Um, and I think, like, the Sportsnet LA, like, feed, like, jumped for a second. And I assume I thought it was a home run, and I saw someone tweet like three to two, and I'm like, well, that's not right, you know. I thought it was four to two, uh, and then, and then it like came back and it, they showed the replay, and it like hit off the top of the wall or like a, like a couple, like a foot or two below maybe, um, and bounced back. But um, so it was a double, but it was like it was it was very it was very weird. But of all the plays to see, that was that was a pretty good play. <laughs> so. Uh, but it was interesting, so I was following mostly through Twitter, and it was alarming how many sort of points came up in the series where, huh, he's bringing Bradley in to face Kemp. That's interesting. Huh, he's leaving Grinky in. That's interesting. So I, I got all the preamble, and then the, like, well, the, that makes sense. 
Uh, and I'm very yeah. used to that kind of rooting for the team that does that and feeling bad because I don't want to um, pass any judgment on these decisions. But a lot of times, Dave Roberts will make a what I feel is tactically sound uh, decision when you don't have a lot of great decisions. Uh, like there's nothing you can really do, and he gets burnt by it, and I get frustrated. And it's uh, it's nice to not be in that that position. Yeah, like every every manager is like every team like or every fan base like hates their manager at some point, like just like, or moves their manager makes, you know, it's like impossible. And like that was, Tori Lavolo was in the, the fish in the barrel this weekend, I think for that. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's like, one, it's one of those things. Like if you're, um, if the players keep failing you, like you're going to look bad, you know, like, yep. especially, especially relievers, but that's just how it works. But, and like last night, the Dodgers, um, uh, they they got Jacob Degrom out of there after six innings. It was a one to one game, and then it was one one into the ninth. And Brandon Nimmo hit a three run home run off Kenta Maeda. Um, so and that's what won the game for the Mets. So it's like you know, look the another close game like uh, you know, and then the bullpen gave up runs. But like so that's that's sort of a it's been a sort of recurring theme. But it's all all these low scoring game like um, that the Mets scored. Uh, four runs last night. That that's like the uh, first time in almost a week that the Dodgers had a game where either team scored more than three. So uh, it was it was very. It's been very odd, like low scoring uh, run here for for the Dodgers, both like for them and against them. You have a a forward sentence, not really a sentence, in uh, the show notes that just says, "My God, Justin Turner." You want? We, let's talk about him. He's almost. Afterthought's the wrong word, but when he kept, you know, dealt with the second injury, and you thought, man, he came up uh, back from the, the 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 wrist injury, and the offense exploded, but not exactly because of them. He had a few good games, but then kind of slumped a little bit. And you thought, well, maybe he's just going to have this kind of half hurt season where he's a really good team leader and you know has a key hit now and then. But I had kind of moved on, and then as baseball tends to do. Uh, surprise, surprise, here he is in, in August and now September just hitting the tar out of things. Yeah, like, uh, it's one of those things. So you see this a lot. Uh, you know, he missed, what, 40 games with the broken wrist. And um, so he was already sort of behind the eight ball there. But you see this a lot of guys either – if a guy gets off – has, like, this tremendous April, like, his – and he slumps. And then, like, in August, he might have the same stats as someone who started terribly in April – the person who started well, when you look up, like on, you know, not that you're always at a game, but you look up and you see what their their season stats are. He's going to be coming from a higher place and going down, so he's always going to look better. And then the guy who's like been consistently like probably better for three months, but started off at a low place, is going to have a a seasonal number that's like still not as good, but like getting better. Then you're so it's always like a mind trick, you know. Um, so for Turner, like the one thing, like his the power, he didn't have any power when he came back because you know his hands were, I mean his wrist, you know he's like dealing with, um, you know a broken wrist and then he, I think he had a thumb thing uh, possibly too, um, so in his first what thirty games he hit two home runs, so and he and he was like you know not really hitting but then he like was. But around like the last few weeks before the All Star break, he was he was hitting better, just in general. But like his overall numbers didn't look very good. Like 
So at the All-Star break, his his overall line was 258, 354, 393. You know, that's, uh, you know, low average for sure. But like decent on base or good on base, but uh, especially for that average, but like hardly any power or less than you're used to. So you're like, okay, I guess this, this, you know, might be a lost season, but then like, he's basically been like super hot, um, you know, last playoffs, Justin Turner, basically since the all-star break. So he right now, um, the Dodgers have played, uh, well, he's played 30 games since the all-star break. He's hitting 394. 488, 725 since the All-Star break. Uh, seven home runs and 13 doubles. So he's been an absolute force. He He's like he's the Dodgers' best hitter. Like before the season, you're going into the year, it was like a toss-up whether Turner or probably Seager was the, the team's best hitter, like just overall. And like it's, it's pretty clearly Turner right now. Obviously, Manny Machado exists, so you're, it, it might be him. But like, I think, you know, as Justin Turner goes, like, kind of so goes the rest of the offense, or we, so we th- think. But um, in August, he hit 402 uh, and had a 491 on base. So uh, he, he might have been player of the month. That might be announced in a couple of days. But um, it was really, really good. I think I looked something up the last uh, – uh, well, the last four times that Dodger has hit 400 in a month, that's, like, with minimum 50 plate appearances, so not just some, like, pitcher or something but uh it's all been justin turner so in the last like four <laughs> years so it's pretty crazy uh and so he's he's been like carrying a, a huge portion of the low he he hit the home run against Degrom on monday that had the one run they scored against him so he's really locked in right now and just been he's been really awesome is roster expansion one of your favorite times of the year it seems like an eric steven kind of thing with all these like the old friend potential goes through the roof, but also slows the game down. Do you like this? Yeah. Like it's, I like it, you know, yeah. From a, um, you know, you, there's two things like, yeah, it gives you like, we always talk about, there's these close games where they, the Dodgers have been playing with a short bench all year. So it's a little nicer to see them have some options where they could be a little more uh, aggressive earlier, and that's hard to say because they they are pretty aggressive at using everybody. But um, I sort so I sort of get in that respect. But I think over the years, like I used to not mind it. I, I it is kind of weird, and I, I don't uh, I don't know if it's I don't think I am mad at like the the fairness aspect of it because the teams like oh well you, you know everyone gets to play with forty. So the fact that if some team doesn't have that many players or whatever like that doesn't bother me like you're oh well you could play this team with x amount of players and but everyone gets that chance so that's not a big thing but i wouldn't mind like some sort of revision and i don't know how you really do this i think we saw some of the early proposals of the the collective bargaining agreement had a thing where they were going to have some sort of limit in september to like um where you'd still have an active or like, yeah, a, a roster of 40 in September uh, that you could use. But like on any given day, it might be 28 active players. And that makes a little more sense to me. Like, um, cause it is a little bit of overkill. <laughs> like, honestly, like, um, uh, th- like I'll give you an example. So Saturday, um, was the, was September 1st. And then that was the, um, oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, 
Sunday was the game in question that I was thinking about. September second, second day of like, like full rosters. So to start the ninth, um, they still had um, Andrew Chafin and who's a lefty, and so Yasmani Grandal was up. So they pinch hit for him with um, Chris Taylor, a right-hander. So um, uh, Lavolo comes in and he brings in Brad Boxberger, who's a righty, and then. Um, uh, Dave Roberts pinch hit for Chris Taylor, who was pinch hitting for Yasmani Grandal with Alex Verdugo, who's a lefty. So it actually worked out in the Dodgers' favor. They got two lefties to start the inning against Boxberger, and both got on. I think both walked actually, Verdugo and Muncie. Um, but it was weird because you basically have two pitchers and three batters for one plate appearance. Like so. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of weird, but like you know, whatever. I kind I get it. It works, mm-hmm. but I, I I wouldn't mind some some sort of limit where it's like twenty eight active on any given day. But uh, you know, whatever. It it's it's part of the game. I I don't know if it, you know it's not really going away. Maybe they'll do some modification, but I don't think it's like some blight on the game necessarily. I just it is a little weird. It, it's just weird. Like it's it it, it is pretty crowded. But I, 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 there, there is something to be said that you know most minor league seasons are basically over, um, so you're like rewarding in a lot of cases you're rewarding guys for having a good season, getting them a, some more major league experience, that type of thing, even if they're not going to necessarily play a ton. So I get there's a lot of benefits to it. So I, I, I'm for it, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing some modifications to it. The other part of roster expansion is the uh, additions through the um, post the, the waiver trades. Uh, Dodgers picked up two names, one of which I in uh, Ryan Matson sort of makes sense. Uh, David Freeze less so. I mean, you, you add who you can add, like so it's not like a huge shock by any stretch. But what did you think of these additions? Yeah, um, the you're right. The, the we all figured like, look, they bullpen is obviously is always going to be an issue and you're, you're going to always try to add. So the, the fact that they did that with Ryan Matson wasn't surprising. Um, so that, that was sort of expected, but yeah, then that, Oh, they're also looking for a right-handed bat. The room, the rumors sort of started with that a couple hours before the Friday uh, de- deadline. And, um, uh, and then it came out that it was David freeze. Uh, so yeah, but I think part of this is like, um, I think a lot of it has to do with not that, uh, you know, it's necessarily going to be continue going forward, but Chris Taylor has been like horrific for like the last month and, and a little bit uh, mostly since the all-star break. And, um, you know, he strikes out a, t- a lot, but that's going to happen anyway, even when he's producing, but he hasn't been producing for the better part of a month. So I think he's like 11 for his last 72 or something. And, so I just think they wanted another right-handed bat there. They haven't hit against left-handers very well. So they, I think that's why they just wanted an extra right-handed bat. Um, so that's why they got freeze and like, um, uh, freezes. They've only played, uh, faced one left-handed batter in the three days of September or one left-handed pitcher, excuse me. Freeze started that game at first. Um, so, uh, but in weird Taylor, because he was slumping, and part of this, like, he hasn't started the last four games. So I don't know. I don't think it necessarily means he's benched, you know, whatever. But he's probably going to have some cut into his playing time. Like, it's one of those things, like, when he was an 850 OPS guy last year, and, and he was really, like, 900 for most of the season, um, 
that's an easy, like, sure, this guy's going to be in there every day, no matter where he's playing. But then, like, when I, maybe his true talent is closer to 750 to 800, and he's basically there now, I think his OPS is 745. Um, like, that's a guy who's valuable, but not someone you have to run out there every right. single day. So, the you know, maybe that's going to be the sort of the end game of this is that they they a little more judicious with his playing time and that maybe that's how it figures out. But, yeah, it's really hard to see how they're going to – they just have more options now. Like, you, you'll see Bellinger maybe a little more in center field. They actually played Max Muncy at second last night, um, but that – He's he's a rough it's a rough go. Uh, he had like one bad throw that Bellinger saved, um, and then he had a weird transfer. I, but it was really just a muff, like uh, just a bad transfer on a potential double play ball. Though they didn't turn it, it wasn't necessarily all Muncy's fault. But um, yeah, it was. He's awkward at second. It's bad. Uh, so I don't I don't think they're going to do that a lot. But maybe once in a while. I think it was more. We have to get as much offense as we can against Jacob DeGrom, and that's what they try to do. Um, but, yeah, so, it, you know, uh, Freeze is going to probably play first and third. He's not going to start a ton, but it, when he starts, it'll be against lefties, and then he'll be like a, a basically an extra pinch hitter against righties. So that's that's what he gives him. Madsen is more – I mean, he's, he's pitched – I think he's only pitched once so far, uh, and uh, it's been, you know, high leverage. So that's going to be his role. Um uh, we'll see. He walked a, a couple guys uh, in his first outing, or maybe he just walked one. I forget. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. When he's healthy, he's been good. He had a back injury the last month or so, so it's just a matter of like, because he throws really hard, has good stuff. Uh, so they're just—I think—they're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle with him at this point. One notable thing is during the trade deadline, a lot of catchers got moved, none to the Dodgers. You mentioned that that was a possibility the Dodgers would explore considering how um, below average, we'll say, Austin Barnes has been this year. Were you surprised in that combination that so many got traded and none went to the Dodgers? And uh, do you think the Dodgers, I mean, I, I guess there's not much else they can do. They called Kyle Farmer up, but we've said throughout the year that they don't really want to play him at catcher. Do you think there's a way where they just say, you know what, we have to just go with Farmer as the backup? Well, no, because, um, like you said, he, in in parts of his two years in the majors, he's played n- nine innings behind the plate, and it's basically been in like low leverage stuff and right. no starts. So he's more pinch hitter, backup third baseman or whatever. Um, but yeah, they did. I was surprised. I, mean, I don't know. They, there was a lot of like Rene Rivera, uh, even Drew Butera. Like, um, he, those guys were all traded on Friday and the Dodgers didn't get a back of pitcher, but they did call up Rocky Gale and added him to the 40 man. He's a 30 year old, uh, guy they signed in, in February, um, to a minor league deal. So just more of a, you know, minor league journeyman type guy, but pretty good behind the plate. Um, so I, I don't know how often he's going to start, but I, it just gives them another option because I think what they're, it just means is they're going to be more aggressive in, say, pinch hitting for Austin Barnes earlier in the game that he does start if he doesn't come through, although I think he had hits in his last two starts. So, you know, baby steps going forward. But, yeah, he's been really bad at the plate, um, and I think they had to address that. And with someone they're more comfortable having behind the plate because they do like his work 
you know, behind the play. He doesn't, he's not that good at throwing out runners. Not that it's all a catcher thing, but because there's pitchers involved, but, um, you know, he's very good at framing and, and working with the pitcher. So that's fine. But I think they just wanted another possible guy they might catch. I don't, I can't say Rocky Yale is going to like all of a sudden play a ton, but it's it just, it's sort of just another option they have now. So you mentioned Gale and, uh, but, Call-ups are the other way you can really infuse uh, players into this, these expanded rosters, more so than just the Dodgers also had a lot of players come back uh, off the TL. Specifically on the call-ups, the guys getting either in their first or second cup of coffee, who do you see, uh, now that the call-ups have actually been made, because we talked about this a little bit last week, who do you see making an impact? And I suppose we should probably start with Verdugo. Right. So they, they basically, the, the main call-ups were uh, Verdugo, Tolls, and Kyle Farmer. Um, and so, you know, Tolls has been, you know, not, not this year and, um, uh, necessarily, but the last two years, he was sort of an impact guy and before he got hurt last year. So, um, he'll play a role, but basically Roberts on Saturday was saying like, I'll give you the quote from, he said, the guys that we called up are essentially going to be help and support for the guys who are already here for most of the year. So it's sporadic playing time, basically, for those. But he did sort of mention Verdugo, and I think this is right. He, he's, he said, look, Alex is ready to be here. He's major league ready. Uh, we're going to be watching closely. If more playing time is a result, great, but that remains to be seen. So yeah, look, he's not going to come out and say, I'm sure he's going to play because you don't want to paint yourself into a corner there. Uh, he did start against DeGrom on Monday. I do think of the of the call-ups, Verdugo is like the most likely to actually like you know make a playoff roster, um, and and like possibly start in some games because, like you said, we we talked about this before. Like he he is productive. Like he's he's one of the better prospects in the game. Um, he's not like a superstar necessarily, but he could play defense, which is a plus. Um, and his, his sort of skill, like overall offensively, he's a plus. But I think his skill of, of like um, of a, having a better like hit tool than most, like the Dodgers are built a lot on a lot of um, low batting average, but high walk, high homer guys. He's not the homer guy yet, but he'll hit doubles and he'll hit for a high average and still be productive and not strike out as much. Not that all necessarily strikeouts are bad, but sometimes it's good to give the offense a different look. So I think that he could sort of bring that. Um, so I, you know, I don't, I think he's going to play more than we might think. And he, and he could play himself into like a bigger role, um, because the, the, with the way the rosters is like constructed now, they can all almost do like a full platoon at a lot of positions. Like, you know, Machado and Turner are basically everyday guys. And it's with Turner, it's just more like getting him rest every now and then Machado started every game, but one since he's been here. So I think that's not going to change. Um, you know, then the rest of the spots like Dozier's played almost every day, so he's basically almost in that same spot. Um, so, but you you could basically platoon at all three outfield spots if you wanted. Um, you know, depending on what you do with Bellinger, uh, he could he's first or center or one of the other two outfield spots, and you still have Freeze at first base, and sometimes Muncie will play first. Um, so you you have some options there, but I, I do think Verdugo has a chance to sort of. Uh, make an impact. I'm hinted at the Dodgers returning from the DL. Um, 
who came back and what what were the what will their role be now that the the roster is so crowded so the the I guess the one that was the most obvious was Chase Utley, mm-hmm. um, who who like he was the sort of roster casualty when the Dodgers got Brian Dozier, um, or when they um, I think I forgot someone was coming back from the DL at that time too, um, but because it made the decision like we have to if we're going to have a twelve or you know four person bench and twelve position players, then someone's got to go, and that was where we were talking about possibly. Kike having being out of a spot, um, so but that didn't come to fruition. It was Outley who took the fall, and he went on the DL, and it was a month long uh, trip on the DL. But he basically was playing so many like sim games where he, minor leaguers would pitch to him the last couple weeks, getting <laughs> keeping staying ready and stuff. So, but yeah, he's back. So he, he's he's your like lefty pinch hitter off the bench. Um, uh, Zach Roskup came back, gives him uh, sort of a, a left handed specialist. Um, they're still, I think Ross Stripling is going to be activated this weekend in Colorado. He's got a back thing. He's throwing another bullpen like today, I think, or maybe the, or later this week, but yeah, he's going to be uh, in the bullpen. Um, so that should help. But other than that, the, the other guys are, who are injured, like, um, like John Axford had a, uh, a partially or like a broken bone in his leg. Uh, Daniel Hudson, I think was an elbow. Um, JT Chaguas had a nerve thing and, uh, and Tony Singrani's had a shoulder thing for a couple months. Um, those four guys, they're all in Arizona and like, they're like at least two weeks away. I think those guys are long shots at this point. So, you know, it's hard to say they're going to make an impact at all. I think they're still working toward that, but I, I wouldn't count on any of them. And it's beginning to look too like, uh, Julio Urias is sort of in that boat too. Like he's in AAA now doing his rehab, but he's been pretty wild um, um, in doing relief outings. Uh, he's walked guys, um, and, you know, he's still to a point where he's he needs like three or four days in between appearances, and he really can't go back-to-back days. So, I, you know, he, he has a limited role at his best right now, and I, he's not at his best. So, in a, you know, long-term development standpoint, do you really want to mess with that? So I think they're going to have to get to a point in a couple weeks where – or in a week or so where they decide, look, you know, it's probably just not going to happen. Maybe he comes up to just to come up. Uh, but I, I don't see at this point, he, he's, it's be hard pressed for me to hit, see him like making a playoff impact. Well, that was a lot of names, both from the DL and the minor league side and some, and sometimes both. Uh, is there anyone else that the Dodgers haven't called up that might, might make their way to their roster and actually play uh, on the major league squad? So the, uh, before I mention that, the one name I forgot to mention that did get called up was T- Tim Locastro, who uh, hit by pitch extraordinaire um, and pinch runner outfielder um, speedster. So uh, he got he did get called up. But other than that, like in the the injured pitchers, like those are all sort of long shots. Um, the only other person is really Yimmy Garcia. He's eligible to be activated on the ninth, which is next this this Sunday. Uh, he might come up, but like I said, playoff impact, probably not. But so, and, uh, he's, he's sort of a maybe at this point. Um, the other one is, um, to mention is Brock Stewart. Uh, his season is actually over to, to get Rocky Gale onto the 40 man roster. They, they called up Stewart, uh, on Sunday, 
but they also simultaneously put him on the 60-day DL, so with a strained oblique, oblique. So that ends his season because he, he, even if he was, and you know, you could question whether this is a, a real injury or not. I'm sure it's real, but like to the point where he was going to miss 60 days, maybe not. But from a technical standpoint, his season is over. So there's really no no one else that's going to come at this point, unless they unless they decide when to bring up like Urias or Yimmy Garcia. So we started the show talking a little bit about how tight this race is and looking in the last week. Let's look at that same three-team uh, three race. Um, so bunch yeah. league together. What are the schedule remaining for these three teams? And based purely on that, do you think any of the teams have a, a little bit of an edge? Yeah, I think um, I don't have like the, you know, they have like, you know, remaining schedule, um, you know, uh, strength of schedule type of thing. I don't have that necessarily in front of me. Uh, what I'll give you is the, I, I think I saw that the Arizona has the toughest because I think they play like, I, I can't remember if they play Boston or Houston, um, but they, they like in an interleague matchup. So that's, that's always going to add to your strength uh, or uh, difficulty. But um, I'll, here, here are the relevant series the rest of the way. So this weekend, the Dodgers are at the Rockies for three games. Uh, and then next week, uh, right after that, the Diamondbacks come to Colorado. So that that's a four-game series. So actually, the Rockies, who are in first place right now, uh, if they just sort of hold serve at home and do well in those series, that's a good spot for them to sort of strengthen their, um, you know, hold on it. But then it, obviously things change as you go. And then the Rockies are in L.A. in, in a few weeks, uh, September 17th to the 19th. Then the Rockies go to Arizona right after that for three games. But then the last week of the season, it's not the last series, but it's the second to last series. The Dodgers are in Arizona. So uh, it's it's um, 16 more games between these two teams. So it's pretty sweet. Um, so I think it's going to be like pretty crazy down the stretch. But as, as we're recording, it's Dodger, or the Rockies in first. Dodgers are back a half a game and Arizona is down by a game and a half. So it's super close. And they're all like, within like a game or two of the wild card too. So it's not, not, not necessarily that there's going to be a fallback because they, maybe these two, these teams beating up on each other will hurt, but um, there's multi, there's more than one race going on and it's, it, it is good. I think it is going to be pretty wild down the stretch. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And one last note before you sign us off, you wanted to mention a little, little minor league baseball, something, something that happened in Oklahoma city. Yeah, so the the one downside to the the, the immediate like major league call-ups, you know, it's September first. There's but there's still like the regular season for uh, most minor leagues outside of the rookie league is like uh, it ends Monday. So like when you call a guy up Saturday, you're robbing the minor league team of that that, that person for the last three days of the regular season. And for like Oklahoma City AAA team for the Dodgers, uh, it really hurt them because um, so. The four guys that initially got called up, uh, Verdugo, Tolls, Farmer, and Locastro, were all starters uh, for Oklahoma City. They didn't play Friday. They were called up Saturday to the Dodgers. So uh, they started a weekend series in Colorado Springs, um, and they lost the opener Friday night without any of those four guys uh, available because they were all like en route to L.A. Um, so uh, that loss put the elimination number at one. So they had, um, what was it? Uh, one, they had uh, potentially four more games left. So, and o Oklahoma city, if they lost one game, their season is over. So they, 
they played Saturday, but that game got suspended because of uh, weather. It was a 4-4 game in like the eighth inning. So they had to hold that game off to Sunday. Um, they started again Sunday. Um, and then Oklahoma City wins that game. And then they play their regularly scheduled game. And they win that game too. So that forces a thing on Monday, uh, a possible doubleheader. So they play the first game, and the only way it's a doubleheader is if Oklahoma City wins the first game. If if Colorado Springs had won, then they win the division and the season's over. But since Oklahoma City won the first game, they played a second game, and I think the final score was sixteen to four. Oklahoma City they just romped them. But so in uh, because they finished that one that Saturday game on Sunday, it, it was something like um, four wins in like twenty six hours all in elimination games and Oklahoma city won the division. So it's notable for a couple reasons. One, um, uh, Henry Ramos, an outfielder he's done on the 40 man or anything, but, uh, switch hitting outfielder. He was 13 for 17 with 11 RBIs in the four elimination games. So talk about coming through in the clutch, a Connor Joe who plays first, uh, he, he reached base 13 times in 19 appearances and he scored 10 runs in those four games. So, I mean, it just it was an insane, like, baseball feat, I think, that they pulled off. But the other thing is that um, because they're in the playoffs, all six Dodgers domestic minor league affiliates, Oklahoma City, AA Tulsa, uh, High A, Rancho Cucamonga, Low A, Great Lakes, and then both rookie-level teams, uh, Ogden and Arizona League, they're all in the playoffs. So, And Arizona League, they already finished theirs. They won the title. So... Uh, that's pretty rare. It doesn't happen that, that all six teams got in the playoffs, but the fact that Oklahoma City did it the way they did it was pretty cool. And and to do it without, like, you know, four of their best players in the final weekend was it made it even more sort of remarkable. Well, I think that nicely sums up the week we had and exciting times, September baseball. Very exciting Absolutely. times. What yeah. like, It was really, like I said, I, I only had to watch via highlights and following you all on Twitter, but... It was a it was an exciting game to watch via highlights. The Dodger Stadium looked rocking. Yeah, the, like you said, the, the well, actually both Kemp hits were were very, uh, you know, like it was very loud. And so like, uh, and then the Turner, uh, well, the two. If you go back to even Friday night, like Kiki Hernandez hit the home run to tie it. Just Turner hit the home run to go ahead. That was like super loud too. So yeah. Uh, for being like low scoring tight games and but to have these like signature sort of moments like that made it really um, sort of extra special like at the stadium so it was crazy but uh, like I said it just keeps going like uh, by the time we record next week we're going to be talking about the series they just had in Denver against the you know potentially first place Rockies so it's going to be another divisional showdown it's going to be this way for the next like three four weeks so um, we'll um, we'll keep uh, pumping these podcasts out, and hopefully, we'll have something exciting to talk about. But thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.